0: Hello and welcome to the left wing back podcast with me Kevin Regan. In this first ever series we bring you a show called My Time in the Gansey. Here we look at the careers of many well-known former footballers and hurlers who soldiered with Carlo but also taking in some of their fondest memories from the club game as well as deep personal stories. My first ever guest on the podcast is a man who enjoyed Leinster's success with his club, he captained the Carlo footballers, he's a funeral undertaker by day and by night, his bar and Yard has played host to some of the most memorable nights after Carlo matches. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Mark Carpenter on the show. I do hope you'll enjoy. Mark, um, so, some great times, I suppose, both with the, with the county and with the club. Um, the fondest memories you have, I suppose, are probably the Leinster success with the Blues, I would take it. Yes, yeah, so I suppose um,
1: the age we're at and to, to win something that big for a small club uh, or probably as regards success wise probably the biggest thing we had done um, and it was a great togetherness from a, a group of players all at one age so it was really all friends really enjoyable um, re- really really good times and really close sort of group of players and within the club small numbers and um, really really enjoyable now uh, for, for the short time we had it. of the course when you're that age I think it's going to be like that all the time but it's not always the case in small clubs we, we had our our four or five years at the top and then took a sort of drastic decline over the next four or five years. But it was definitely the the few years were there was brilliant.
0: Yeah, so that was an interesting Leinster run as well. Bearing in mind the Blues were an intermediate club in 96. I think he beat MLR in in 97 and then come up and won three seniors. So... uh, the run that led to the final against Nafina wasn't the most pleasant of runs either. I, I recall a seven point deficit against Dixborough Kilkenny in the first round of Leinster. Is that right?
1: That's right, yeah. Uh, in in uh, what I can only describe as probably the worst weather ever played at football in a uh, gale force wind and uh, waterlogged pitch, torrential rain, and um, seven points down at half time playing against the breeze. Um, I can actually remember how cold it was that day. That I actually had no interest in even playing football. It was just that bad. But uh, I think Pag having a kick and freeze got us back into it that day. And I think we, we ended up getting out of it in the end. But uh, it was really, really uh, just a fight. If you fell on the ground, you just slid for five metres. There's no way the match would have even been played. But uh, it was just a start. It was, it was like one of the, the games... It was just the start of a little roll we started to get on um, and you just got used to winning then at that level um, but it definitely were made it hard first.
0: So then subsequently you had a difficult enough task as well in overcoming Coruscant Kinnegad and an absolute thriller in the semi-final against Moorfield 12
1: points to 11 in the end What happened was um, against Kinnegad the first day it ended up uh, I think we played in um, I think it was a draw the first day no, know could be mistaken but um we, we ended up playing up in Kinnegad and it went to extra time. And I remember Andrew Carden had to leave. I think he had to leave early. His brother's wedding was somewhere in a farm. He had to catch a flight, so he had a helicopter waiting for him, but he wouldn't leave until the match was over. Um so that started the thing. We, we had so short, that we, we were literally, I suppose, about 17 or 18 fellas that were pushing for the, the start of 15, and you couldn't really afford to lose. I mean, so he had this helicopter waiting at the side of the pitch. Um, we got into extra time got sent off in in extra time Um, and subsequently missed the next two matches which was their semi-final and final which was sort of I think I got sent off three times in my career first time was I missed the Leinster semi-final and final the second time was against Dublin in the Auburn Cup and we drew with them I missed the replay and the third time was the first match I got back after that Um, I got suspended again but it doubled because I had been sent off and I missed the the whole year so I, just, uh, I always take it with me is three times I got sent off, they cost me more football and the, the biggest games I could have played in. Um, it was a good lesson to learn.
0: Wow, that's, that's actually incredible. I, just, I wasn't aware of that at all. It's a little bit before my time, of course. I was probably only six or seven um, when this was all, <laughs> all happening. I don't want to make you feel too old now But um, yeah. did, did you feel at the time what was the right car? Was, was there any hope of getting, getting away with it at all, getting off?
1: No, it was a little bit of like the, the ball was in play, it was a little bit of bargey bargy, and um, I sort of hit a fella a bit of a, a dunt. We're going for the ball, and he drew out and hit me. in The, the umpire called the referee, he got sent off. The umpire called in and said that I hadn't initiated it, so I got sent off as well. And at that stage, like, there was we weren't going to get it overturned, so end up missing the two biggest games for the club well two of the three biggest games for the club because looking enough I was back to the semi-final um, but it was tough watching them from the sideline
0: I can only I can imagine I mean it's it's huge it's not too often car clubs do they're all of course kind of um, laid the foundations for this did, did their success give you a bit of belief even though you're obviously big rivals
1: well I think I, I suppose when you look at it, we were so young like we we were in a when we were in that All-Ireland semi-final, there was 11 of us won an under-21 championship in to start started in the um, All-Ireland semi-final. So we were all 19, 20 years of age. Um, and we had grown up always, you know, hand always being the smaller club in town, like there was success up the road. It was always sort of, you know, there was definitely, we'd look up the road and say, we'd love a bit of that. Um, and there would have been a tradition in the club of winning championships. Now would have been thirty years before, and there would have been great tradition in O'Hanrins up until the sixties, um, and that would always, I suppose, drive on youngsters and listening to, I suppose, the tradition in the club. And there was always that thing is, yeah, we we had a we had a goal in mind when we were younger, and that was to win the championship and be there. A they were five-time Leinster champions, so possibly I could have been pie in the sky, but we got lucky enough. We had a really good team. We'd won two minors and 3 which just one bunch of players. We got a really good manager in um, who was able to mould start of a young group um, to do what he wanted us to do with no questions asked. Um, and we managed just to sit once once we, once we been Errol the first time we started of felt we could have, we, we had it, we had them, we could beat them at at our leisure at that stage. Um, and I know they're big I know when we bet them the first time they really want to come back and beat us the second uh, the second county final. But um definitely the rivalry from us. Probably not from Mayor as much, but for from our side there's a big goal there to win the county championship.
0: Right. So Mick Dempsey's obviously the man involved at this stage who you're who you're kind of referring to. Um, and just going back briefly to the success. I mean beating Nafina, that Nafina team had serious players. Sherlock Desi Farrell, Kieran McGaney, Um that was incredible. And then, of course, to go on and play against Nemo, you, you must have been so relieved to actually get back on the field to play. I know it ended in defeat subsequently, but to, to, to play against the likes of Colin Corkery and these lads, like, that's a massive stage you're playing on, and you came so close as well.
1: Well, we possibly kicked it away. We we'll have to look back at that now, um, and, and there's a couple of mistakes we possibly made. Um, but we were very lucky. Cullen Carpenter was the difference there. Andrew Carden was marked, and I don't think he scored from play. But I remember one stage, he kicked. There was a free over under the stand in Clonmel, forty-five yards out on the end line. He kicked it over with his right, and then about five minutes later, opposite side, forty-five meters out on the sideline, kicked it over with his left. And I think he kicked seven or eight frees over that day, like he was just outstanding. Um, but that was that was really the difference.
0: Yeah, an incredible player. Andrew Carden, equally, Lord Reston, was, was an incredible player. Talk to me about him. I mean, he's lauded as possibly one of the best fullbacks that Carlo ever had and, and was taken so young.
1: Yeah, well the thing about Andrew Andrew has was a year older than us, but he might as well have been in his mid twenties or late twenties. He was so mature for his age. Um I suppose in your nineteen twenty year, your your sort of social life and you're not as concentrated on football. You are when you're in the field, but maybe you have outside influences. But Andrew was completely um, football-orientated. All he would ask is how he could get better at what he did. He had all the attributes. He was tall, strong, fast. Um, like He was outstanding. Now, when he was 20 years of age, he was getting called up to Leinster Panels. Um, like I would have passed him probably in top three or four full-backs in his early 20s um, in the country. Um, he was just outstanding he was outstanding and just a great um, mentality just be you know when you maybe get into your mid-twenties you really take it serious and you're, you're looking to try to improve like he was doing that from the start um, and and I've never really seen anyone get the better of him in training learn matches he was just that good yeah
0: and I uh, that Carlo kind of failed to to close for so many years as well um, like like I suppose, from your own point of view then, just moving on, on from that with, with the county and stuff like that, there was a kind of a strange transition when you won Leinster in that I think only a couple of you guys went back. There was a bit of an issue with Pat Rowe. I kind of talk to us about what, what story was there.
1: With Pat Rowe? I can't, I can't remember an issue with
0: Pat. There was something about a letter going out anyway, and I think yourself and one other player was the only two that were kind of let back before a championship game. And I think there was some sort of a big mix-up. And a few of the Blues lads didn't end up playing championship for a little while.
1: Yeah, no, a few of the Blues lads would be, um, they wouldn't have been big into playing county. They were more interested in the club. Um, I can't recall a big falling out there over a letter, to be honest with you, you know, um, Kevin. Um, you know, but I know past passer would be very stubborn and strong in the way he'd, he'd take things So I could understand how it might happen.
0: Yeah, um, he left a, a great legacy in Carlow as well, of course, and um Another fond memory of yours must have been winning
1: the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It's like it's I suppose when you look at it now with all the colleges and everything when they were in it, it, it started sort of demeans a bit. But at the time, um, it was a, a massive thing for us to do. It was a I suppose you have division one teams in it, we bet Dublin on our way to win it, um, and leash. Um so it was great to win and there's a bit of an old buzz going around. Carlos sort of um, during a lot of my time would go from a great buzz when a new manager come in, then the second year there would be a fall off and by the third year it'd be it'd be gone stale. Um, and I often wondered why why that was or why like but I, looking back on it, I look at it every year you'd have the same six or seven lads to would be there all the time. And then there be might be a few people that leave, but there'd always be six or seven fellas starting uh, their first championship every year. And the continuality of it was was never there for be built on, or, um, and and I look at it now when there seems to be a Tarlo there for four or five years, you say, sorry, the same sort of background team as best you can, and like it's just the players are still there. You can build on year on year what's going on, and um, wait for the ten or ten or twelve years there you'd have a really good year, then you lose three or four starters, um, and then you'd be down the next year you might lose six or seven. And it was always playing catch-up.
0: What kind of kept you there the whole time? What was your motivation for staying? And um, I know, obviously, it comes with determination and stubbornness and stuff like that. But why do you think that lads were maybe dropping off when, when you were staying? Like, what was the story? Were they getting disheartened or what was it?
1: I'd say a bit of a Yeah, It's hard, like, in sports, if you're going the championship, you get back by 20 pints and everyone is downbeat on it. And it's hard to motivate yourself then to train two or three nights during the week at that stage. In November, it's a long. It was a long year back then. You'd finish off your football in August, September. You'd be back in with the county at the end of September. You'd have your first games. So the league at that stage was played before Christmas. And um, so, yeah, if there's a bit of negativity there at all, or if, like lads weren't getting on the team they were gone and different bits and bobs like that. Um on a personal level, I just like going out and play. Um, it was always nice to test yourself against the best players when you got to play against them. And um, so it was more of a personal challenge on that, on that level. And sure, you're always trying to improve. And what else? So, what else would you be doing? Um, like, it was great to be out and with people your same age, kicking around the ball, enjoying yourself, and um, having a couple of drinks in the social aspect of it. So, um, I, it, never, it never dawned on me to, until I suppose I started having, until I got married and had kids, and you have different responsibilities, and then it becomes a time constraint. Um, but I enjoyed every minute of it. Now I have to say,
0: and kicking the winner against Offaly in all five is that is that possibly your your favourite moment?
1: It would have been yeah, because it was, um, it, was it was a great performance by everybody. It was like it was we weren't really expected to go into that game to win it, um, and just everything clicked on the day. It was a big crowd, it was a lovely day, um, and like it was just it was nice to get a win. We were five pints up, we four pints up with a couple of minutes left, and we get away a goal and a couple of pints and luckily enough, we just managed to get, get the last kick at the end. But um, yeah, like all them defeats that you go through and the hardship, maybe you might have a bad year and things aren't going right. Um, the one, one time it would go right and you'd get that win, there's a great buzz around it. And it was the same there a couple of years ago and it was going well. got to the Leicester semi final. Um, there's a great appetite for people to support the team um, when things go right. And luckily enough, they seem to have, to have it stabilised up there and hopefully you now when this, this uh, virus gets started to be able to kick on again.
0: Yeah, there were great times two years ago and I was going to ask you about this. I mean, you turned your, your backyard there the pub basically into Carlo's version of Electric Picnic. We had some great weeks in it. Like, there were great times.
1: Yeah, well, it sort of grew. started sort of grew, started without us knowing. The first, I think the first match they played, um, everyone ended up back at the bar. There wasn't a particularly big crowd. Um, but you couldn't move in the barn, there was a good crowd in the lounge. And then the second match, I think it could have been, was it the Kildare game? Um, it just ended up, there was maybe a couple hundred people out in the street drinking. Just it, it ended up, everyone ended up coming back here. And we got thinking about it then, we just said, you know what, we'll stick it out the back, the weather is good. And it just sort of to took off from there. But um, they were really a terrible nights, Yeah, so you know, they were great yeah, for the hurlers and the footballers. The hurlers were back after winning the, the McDonough Cup as well, so... Um, yeah it was just it was, it was a good time and everybody seemed to enjoy it it was a great buzz going even against Tyrone even another beating um beating everyone's really proud of what we're after doing
0: linking in with that then do you think if like the likes of yourself and Simon Ray at that time Carberry these guys were, were very good going back during the noughties? like um, if you guys were available under Turlough I, I know lads don't like talk about themselves but it seemed we were crying out for forwards like yourselves and you came kind of a decade too late almost like you know or too soon I should say.
1: Yeah, it's hard to know because every footballer is in their own time. Like Football is different now than it was even five years ago with the different tactics and kick-out strategies and like lads dropping behind the ball. So listen, it's hard to know. It's hard to know really. But um, yeah, there's a couple of lads there and I would definitely fit would give a would give a boost to What's there, but at the end of the day, what's there is there, and they're doing a good job. Um, so, we're happy enough just to, to wish them the best and encourage them.
0: You're still playing, and you're coming up again them like saw at the moment. I mean, the change in the game from when you started to now must be unreal, and you're still coping fairly well with it. You're kicking a few points off the bench when you come on for the Blues, and, and the few games that you're playing like.
1: Yeah, there's listen, there's a there's a big change in, in the way it's played. Um and I think the more time teams put into it, the more the more it's going to change because teams are more prepared and um, like I suppose I go back to when I first started. When I got called into the county the first year I was only seventeen and I think there was a bit of a something was after going on with Bobby Miller and there's a big walk over players and I don't know, but I I guess they were stuck for lads to come in so I got called into it, and I just remember when I look back at it now, it was maybe 17, 18 lads training and they'd run laps. And um, I think there's a Paddy Morrissey from Tipperary was over us. And I think it was in, I I only got in six or seven weeks before the championship. And it was laps, and then you kick a few pints, you might play a bit of a game. Then one week, Paddy Morrissey wasn't there, and nobody knew where he was. And then he came back and said, he had informed the county board. So it was all very, it wasn't very well organised and every like. then you get in a major and it, it had improved but it was all 15 on 15 and kicked the ball out long. Um, and I guess when Tyrone and them started coming in, it was a little different in the club. When we were going well in the club, we were always coached as half forwards. We always got back behind the ball. So there was a little bit of it in club level Um, with McDempsey at that time was work great and get behind the ball and that was maybe the first when you look back on it now, you might say that was the start of this thing of getting bodies behind the ball and outworking teams. Um, but now you go into it and you have different formations and you have letting the like zone marking or following the man. You have your kick out, making space and getting your pockets to get the ball into. Um, and you're going into your then set plays and on different. But there's, a, there's so much more in it. And at times you'd often wonder when it gets that far, as enjoyment gone over? Is it, is it too much, like, too organised? Because um, I used the thing about years ago, you went out and you played. You might have an idea, right, we're going to play, get behind the ball, we don't have it, but like you still played. you got the ball, or so you kicked it forward, you got forward as quick as you can, you got some be support of the man. Um, but I don't know, I know it's. it's uh, sometimes you feel like there's a little bit of a, enjoyment has gone over, you have to hand pass and not kick it, it's over retention of the ball. And so, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of changes on it.
0: In in terms of county stuff, you you mentioned there you you come on the scene when you're only seventeen or eighteen. I don't want to shame you now with your age again, but that's obviously ninety six or ninety seven. That's a long time ago. Ninety seven, yeah, I
1: think was ninety
0: seven. Right. So you've seen a lot of managers come and go on your time, and um, on the podcast I would have been talking to Simon Ray and Paul Kelly about a couple of things that happened up and down, obviously. Um, extra Condon's departure came up on it once or twice but in terms of the, the best guys you, you kind of played under Liam Hayes made you captain in 06 he seemed like a very interesting guy I was talking to Paul Kelly about him and you obviously got on well you were his captain
1: yeah I had great time for, for Liam um, I'd always thought he was a he was a players manager so he was always looking out for us always making sure things were right Um I remember one of the first things one of the first years he was there the first year he was there um, some gear arrived in and he just took, he took it out said look at this it's not it's not appropriate and he sent it all back um, just little things like that just made you feel I um, feel at the time that playing for Carlo was something to be proud of and it started to build up the players a bit um, and and started to try to convince us that we could do more than what we were doing um, and you got a good response the first year um, and I think the second year he um, wasn't as good, but I, I think he was. He was very busy. He had a couple of publications up in Dublin. Um, like he was a busy man, a successful man. Um, but as a manager and as a person, I found him very, very likable, um, very easy to work with, and uh, it was probably one of the, one of the better managers we had during the years. But who would have been the best then if it was to put you on the spot? Well, uh, Mc Dempsey, because he was just a different. He just we. Got something out of us that I don't think anyone else would have would have got over us. And he had a very good way of manipulating do a talk into getting you to do stuff you might not do um with, without it. You know, he had a very good way to motivate players different ways. He knew the fella to say, says you're a great lad, and he knew the fella to bollock. Um like he wasn't one size fits all, I just found it very good in that respect. And I think you can probably see that. When he left Irms, he went. he went to Kilkenny and was involved with them for years later. And you can definitely see an imprint on the Kilkenny senior hurlers ever were successful that time. Um, just the way he had him playing. I hungry to war for, um, for the ball and for work. Um, I just found him excellent now.
0: Good stuff. And um, before I bring you on to the cover ball, which is obviously to pick your best 15 in which you have to include yourself, I have to ask you one thing. So you've obviously got the pub there. And you're obviously Undertakers as well. So how did Mark Carpenter manage doing a funeral and then going out playing a big game maybe a few hours later? How do you not let that in on you? Because obviously it's a morbid enough game.
1: Yeah, but sure, listen, I suppose when you're brought up in it, when you're brought up, no, I was very lucky, my mother and people helping her out, all the staff were like very good um, to facilitate the effort that went in. Uh, there's plenty of times you might play a big championship game and you'd be running straight home, hop in the shower, run the suit, and go straight back out to do a funeral. Um, but, like, that's just listen, that's when you're a funeral director, that's just you get used to it, your time isn't your own sometimes. And um, I was lucky enough, I was able to get Sundays to go play the matches. Um, would I be able to get now? I wouldn't think so. But um, at the time, I was, I was lucky enough, my mother was, was looking after things, and uh, the staff were helping out, so it was brilliant.
0: And even psychologically, so you just look at it as a job the same as anything else. You get on with it and go play your football, not different to a plumber or a builder or anyone. Uh,
1: it, it's a little bit different because there's a level of care that has to be done. Um, there's a level of care definitely has to be there and a level of trust that you're looking after somebody, and, and, a, and a, somebody, a loved one, on a very personal level. Um, and, and like again, I was lucky enough, my mother was heavily involved a lot of the time while I was playing. Coming near the end, it had become a bit of an issue as well. Um, you get a phone call you can't go training stuff like that but at, at the time when I was in my 20s I was looking after there wasn't that much of a clash there and if there was the always a way over but um,
0: Even apart from the clashes Mark I just find it really interesting that you're able to block out what you're looking at on a daily basis which is not nice let's be honest about it. and you're able to go play football and still deliver on the field of play
1: well, I suppose people often look at my job and they say it's, it's, a, it's a very hard and, and demanding job. But I, I wouldn't look at that way. What I do is quite, I find, rewarding because you're actually looking after people at a, a very delicate time. And people appreciate it, um, the job you do. People really appreciate when you look after somebody for them. And in that respect, I find it very rewarding. So I wouldn't look at it as, as switching on or switching off. It's sort to be of a service to provide and you want to, you want to do it more than any other service, you want to make sure it goes as easily and makes it a very difficult time as easy for people as you can. So, like, that's that's where I come at it for. The, the actual grieving part of it, like, someone's grief is very personal tone and, like, my job is just to try to make it easier. So, as regards turning on or off, I, I, I didn't find it hard at the time. Um, I'd never really came into my head to even think of it in that way, but... Um, I wouldn't consider it as just being a job. Some definitely, anyone who's in the business would definitely look at it different than that. Um, but I never had a problem with it. With going to play a match and then having work before yeah. or after.
0: Yeah, that's that's interesting because like um, you know you, you've got to keep positive and keep the attitude right. So it's uh it's not it's not an easy thing. Like so, I'd have to I'd have to definitely compliment you, compliment you on that one. I don't know if it's something I could do because if you're surrounded maybe by Kind of sadness, and then you have got to pick yourself up and play football. I would probably find that difficult on the personal level, but sure, look like everything you developed this over time and um, understood it, and and just got on with it. I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now listen, if there, quite possibly if there was a game that you, you really wanted to prepare hard for, like you might you might look to try, like if you were playing up in Cork Park or away in a championship match, you wouldn't be in a position to be in work before it. I can't really remember there being any big clash. I I, I can often remember. After matches, having to having to go to do a funeral, but um I can't remember any time it, it, it impaired preparation or, or getting your head in the, the right space before a game. Um, so yeah, I never I never found it a problem really. There's
0: still more poverty on it, right? So um, I'll, I'll bring it on to something that probably has given you a headache the last few days when I've been tracking you down for this podcast, and that's to pick your best Fifteen. It can be anyone. It can be a club. County inter-provincial of course, but you played in thousand eight, I think, and maybe a couple of more occasions and schools the whole works, but you've got to put yourself on it. Lads absolutely hate that, but I love it. <laughs> so come here, tell me what's the
1: story. Well, I went through I went through and again, yeah, I found I found it hard who to put in, who not to put in. Um so I sort of decided not to put in anyone that was still playing football. I, I was trying to keep it uh fellows I played with who were not playing anymore. So um uh, I don't know if that's the right or wrong way to do it but I thought uh, there is no wrong way to do it that's it. the best thing about it yeah. yeah so listen the first one I went with was John Paul Sausage Brennan who was the 100s goalkeeper and Cardo goalkeeper um, uh, notable mention to uh, Clarkie who was the two and battled it out for number one for a good few years um, some headache I from I found, yeah I found Sausage um, I just found him an excellent goalkeeper half mad um as all well not all because Clarity was quite level headed. I think that's why Sausage was just seemed to get the nod ahead of him. He was he was just that little bit madder. Um but he had a great kick out. Um he had a great kick out, he's a good shot stopper, um, trained very well. Uh he tried a sharp kick out probably before it was too um it was the, the the way it is now, but uh and got caught a good few times, in it, but I always, I always found him he was the best keeper I had played with anyway. Um, and then I moved into the, the full-back line, and straight away, the first two names popped into my head was Andrew Carden, as full-back, we spoke about him earlier. Um, and then in the corner was Brian Farrell from PAL, who, again, was an excellent cornerback. Um, right up there, some of the best in the country, I think. Um, absolute nightmare to mark and train with Club matches. Uh, take your life uh, if you could. Which is a good thing to have at a corner back. Um, and then the other corner, I was sort of I was having trouble trying to figure it And the first name came into my head was Brendan Hayden. You now, Brendan would have been coming near the first game I played was against Westmead. It was just the week after my 18th birthday. And I remember Brendan pulling me to one side. Just one of these memories I always have in my head. And i get Brendan pulling me to one side. I had, hadn't met Brendan before, only a few times we were trying. I said, This is going to be the quickest game we ever played. Um, just get into it and get into it quick now I always appreciate that from Brendan um, but I, I, I in the end went for Niall English the club cornerback just for the, the simple fact he never played with the county but he was a great club cornerback and he's just the sort of fella you want to go over the white line with he'd absolutely go through a wall for for the ball um, great fella in the dressing room um, really good at getting lads going hard as nails um, might have be been a, a little bit slower than the quicker corner forwards, but always use his brain to get out ahead of him. Um, so I have him in the other corner. Still um, as a fiddle as well, open collection. Yeah, he's actually looks fitter now than he did um, when he stands, <laughs> he's playing He's running on a treadmill up in the house um, and he's out, he's out with the kids in St. Saint, in Saint Evans up in, uh, up in top of collection there. So he, he'd if we were trying to get him back to play junior a couple of years ago, but uh, no go I wouldn't like to be marking him in the junior season that's all I would say <laughs> definitely not <Yeah. laughs> and then I moved into the half back line um, I put John Hayden in one half back and Breffney Hannan the other half back uh, John same as Niall hardy bit of stuff good with the ball level headed um, just a hardy hardy snipe wouldn't wouldn't back down from anything and Breffney the same big lump for fella Good trainer, good use of the ball, and just uh, uh just an all rounder appearance. And then centre back, I'm sort of a toss up between Joe Byrne and Sean Cavanagh. I'll give it to Sean in the end because uh, he he just gave so many good years to um, the county. Again, he probably wanted of I feel like I'm starting two generations. First generation like a Brendan Head, Willie Quinn, and Sean Cavanagh. Johnny Nevin, and then we came into our own, the group of players from my age, like myself, Brian Farrell, Joe Byrne, Brian Kelly, uh, Sausage, Barry English, like, that was then, was a sort of our, our team, or our time, as I say, when you're in your mid-twenties, and then coming near the end of it, you had, uh, like, Sadara Fordy, Sean Gannon, and all these lads coming into it, so, in that respect, like, Sean is, Sean is in the first sort of generation, I would have played with, the older sort of generation, so, um, again, very strong, great on the ball. Um, just a quiet fella, but just always got the work done. So I, I, I put him in there, centre-back. Um, and then we move into the midfield, and Thomas Walsh was the first first name came to, came to my mind. Um, just a very strong player. Very, very quick. Um, very good carrier of the ball. Just, you couldn't get it off him, and... Um, he was just allowed if you could get the ball, to you knew when he was going to open up space uh I don't know uh, any matching up with any of these other fellas that you have there are fifteen there is there there's a couple of
0: um there's a couple of constants uh, and I know uh we had a headache a similar headache with another guest regarding the goalkeeper here
1: for sure good okay okay so uh, the next midfielder I had was um i just uh, I played a couple of years at Leinster, and there was one fellow played midfield Brendan Quigley from Niche and I was just amazed at how good he was um. He'd never, never sort of never got and even playing against him for Leash. i never seen him have a bad game. I've never seen anyone get the better of him. Um, just a big, big lump of a fella, very athletic, tall, good, good on the ball, and a good set of hands. So I put him in in the other um midfield position. Um then moving into the forwards, I put Pat Hickey uh half forward. Uh, Johnny Nevin, the other half forward. Johnny, I suppose, was a bit of a legend when we came into the team. Just an excellent footballer. Had, had, give, had a dual start, give years and years of service. Good with the right and the left. Uh, I think he carried all Auckland to a county championship one year. And just, just uh, an outstanding all rounder, horror and football. Pat just started of Mr. Consistent, quiet, Was just uh, a hard, hard worker and good on the ball, good for taking a couple of scores. And then in the mid, in the number eleven slot, I went to Willie Quinlan. A little small Willie was a, a little bit of a dynamo. For a fella so small, you just couldn't get near him. Um, even playing against him, in the club, you just get that ball. He's such a low center of gravity. You get the ball into him, and you just couldn't get near him without fouling him. I just found him excellent all the years we played with him. And then I got into um, into the full forward line. And I put Brian Carby in one corner and Simon Ray in the other. Two left footers, just very, very good free takers. Good uh, on the ball. Did the both of them. Just very accurate. So yeah, that's who I went. And then in the full forward line, I went with Joe Sheridan from Mead. And I played a couple of years with him. Just a not nice fella, but just a massive unit. And
0: uh, No, Mark, I'm uh, going, we're, going, we're going to have a fun here now because you have to drop one of them. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I, I was just thinking, and the easiest way to do that is I'm going to drop Josh Sheridan. So I won't follow with anyone from Caroline. I <laughs> will go, I go in there instead of him, "But he wasn't that good anyway." So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. So a late, late change there. Uh, Josh Sheridan is out, and and you're in full forward. And what was your yeah. your favourite spot? Was it? Did you like wing forward the best, or
1: any any particular preference? I think looking back at probably wing forward was my best position. But sure, when you're playing, you want to be in the, you want to be in one of the the middle positions, whether it be centre forward or full forward, because you're going to get on the ball. But I would think somewhere in the half hour line looking back is probably the best best place. If I was if I was if I was picking a team and it had me I put me there, that's that's um but at the time I suppose when you're playing you want to be in near goal to get scores or you want to be in the middle to get on the ball. So yeah, I would say half forward.
0: So we can switch in and out with Johnny Darnay. it'll be no problem That's exactly it
1: um, Johnny gets tired and we can, we can switch around
0: Good stuff um, Yeah very very good team so we've John Brennan Brian Farrell, Andrew Corden Niall English John Hayden Sean Cavanagh Brethney Haran, Thomas Walsh and Brendan Quigley Pat Hickey Willie Quinlan Johnny Nevin Brian Carberry yourself and Simon Ray and um, a couple of notable absentees I mean it must have been difficult enough probably leaving some of your teammates off you had Great forwards, great defenders, great balanced team. Just in, you know, like.
1: Oh, def- definitely had a a, a great, real well balanced team. But I suppose when I was picking it, I was of looking at the county side of it, um, as much as I could, you know. So, and um, but Anthony Cabinet definitely would be be up there one of the best full forwards in the county. Um, Cabinet the same. Brian was always good for a goal. Barry English as well. Very unlucky not to get a get, a, get onto it in answer wood. Um. Alan Bo as well in the midfield. We, we were lucky, we were very balanced and uh, we were very committed and we were fierce, hard working, and that's a credit to McDempsey, really. Right, before I
0: let you go, what's the next step for Mark Carpenter when COVID-19 finally goes away? Will we see you playing another season with the Blues? Um, and if not, you've already ventured into coaching. You actually coached me in 2007, Mark, I don't know if you remember, and I probably didn't leave much of an impression on you. I'm asking questions <laughs> now, and you're still playing football, so that'll tell that story. I don't know whether you were a bad coach or you were a shy player. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, I, I reckon it's was that, uh, Kevin? Where was that, Kevin? <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, under under sixteen county the seven. Um,
1: oh, with Dara Foley's team was
0: it? That's right. Yeah, it was good fun actually. Yeah. for a few Weeks, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: there was a good there was a good bunch of lads there. A lot of them fellas. Uh, I think Shane Redmond was on that as well, was he? And
0: Redmond was actually um, of years older, so um, yeah. Redmond would have been minor in all seven. We were under sixteen.
1: So. Right. Yeah, might have been, might
0: Well, um. you had in an actual fact, Mark. There's uh, <laughs> this is not a digno no, but a lot of lads are not. Uh, as as per a lot of underage county teams, there's a lot of lads I think not even playing football, and that's the kind of a trend across Ireland, really,
1: isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I, I put it back the other way. Um, like I didn't get on the minor team in '97, '98. Year I went into seniors, and five five or six weeks later, I played senior football. So I suppose if you looked at the way they have it set up there now, they've put in a lot of work, and there seems that the underage structure is in a lot better place than it was. I suppose back when I was coming through, um, and and the pathway to get from from I suppose a, a development squad to um, to a senior team is a lot a lot more straightforward. But I definitely take on board that a lot of people drop off and stop playing football. And you'd often wonder is it, is it gone too serious? I, I, I look at it now is, is enjoyment of playing county football, and um, same as it was back when I was playing. Like, I remember just when I was... The last few years, there was a big strength and conditioning push. Um, and, like, you fellas out five, six nights a week. Maybe they might have an away game. They're gone Saturday evening, stay overnight, come back in the Sunday, and they're back out in the field on a Monday or Tuesday. Like, it's tough going. On. It's tough going. On. And even at club level now, it's it's like the amount of the amount of work that you have to put in to be successful. The wonder, is nearly two series for, for a lot of people. I played I play a year junior football three or four years ago we won a junior B League or something sure. It was as good as winning in All Ireland for, for everyone on the team, you know?
0: Yeah, and the enjoyment is the is the is the most important thing as you're right, you rightly said. I suppose winning the challenge with the Blues last year was, was, was great for you. And there's another thing actually just for let's you go I should have mentioned the All Auckland County final in all three. Um I think it's fair to say you were probably a little bit below power the first day. Conditions were poor enough as well. But the second day you put them, um, I think you got the match the second day when you won the replay. Is that
1: right? Could have. I think the first day was a five, it was a five on or four on or
0: something, something really. something
1: all, but it was yeah. absolutely a tournament. Now when we should have lost that game, um, I think Sausage, um, Sausage Brendan de Goal caught two balls over the crossbar for a fellow who's was only probably five foot six or seven. He had a leap on him and he caught a couple of balls over. I think he could have kicked over a forty-five as well. I'm not too sure, but um, yeah, we we started it was one of them finals. We went out and we didn't perform. And then you're sort of saying to yourself, we're after letting ourselves down here and we, we need to correct it in the replay. And I think we, we, won, we won sort of, I can't really remember winning the diary, I can't remember what margin, but I think once, once we could correct our performance after the first day, we were confident we, we would win. But we were fierce lucky to, to get out of that county final.
0: Yeah, and you had the man of the match award, which uh, do you think they've kind of forgotten about? That, or have you? You're you, you trying to be modest here with me now, or what's going on?
1: No, honest. I've, as I've said to you before. I started to stop going, going up between work and everything else. Your time, your time started business, yeah, and, and you stop, stop going up to matches as as regular as you used to. Um, but yeah, would be I I, I I couldn't tell you now. Possibly did get man of the match, and I'm not sure. I couldn't. I couldn't. Um, um, I can remember the the two county finals against Arag a lot better because um, there was just big crowds at and there was a big buzz um, and there was a big a lot of pressure on us. Um, we put we put it on ourselves, I suppose. But I did, uh, or and won, I can I can't. Um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't have as, as clear a memory of.
0: Um, rumor has it as well you left Cormac out with your team
1: because he hit you a in the off i final. Well, I blame the referee for that now we had no control over it no. <laughs> but yeah we were unlucky we were unlucky in that year that was, um, that was the last year we made a big challenge for it um, we won every game we won every game um, that year about the county final by a pint which yeah that's the way that's the way it goes because you get you, like, you don't realise it's small clubs you get a small little window where you might have a good team and you have to, you have to get, uh, get as much as you can over and in fairness you have to give it to our luck, in that respect, they squeeze out a few county finals wins uh, from a small sort of club similar to ourselves, I suppose. Yeah, so you have to start to make hay when the sun shines, and and we were lucky enough we got four, four championships in five years in the Leinster, and um, but then again, it could be another twenty thirty years before before we see the likes of again. game.
0: Christophe, listen, you've um, a nice set resume going on there and you have a lot of medals and a lot of awards and you had great times in the in the jersey i suppose with the county and and hopefully some more to come with the clubs as you a pleasure to have you on the show and uh, thanks for joining us all right thanks kevin cheers thank you for listening we have another great show lined up for you next monday don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and check us out on social media until next time take care